The Joe Mays and J-Rap Show is brought to you in part by Mays Sandwich Shop, serving delicious hometown favorites to the West Lawn community since 1947. Bringing you the latest news and commentary on baseball. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. Hockey. College football. And the NFL. The Denver Broncos are world champions. They have just won Super Bowl 50. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and for the second time now, I am your host, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me, co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here again today, and... <laughs> is it? Is it? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to try and carry that theme over through through our topic today, uh, in, in today's show. So, I think, I think uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a positive thing today. Good. That's what I'm going to go with. I hope the blind, talk of, blind optimism. I hope blind the sports talk optimism. is positive because the tech right now, I don't know about that one. It's a little iffy. For I sure. think you do know. I, th- I think you do. Your bandwidth is low. That's good. I always like getting that information sent to me. So I think um, you're lying now too. Oh, I am definitely not lying. We're going to get rid of that, so bye-bye, Mixler. No one was listening yet. And we're also not live on YouTube, so this is just us talking to each other until I post it. Okay. <laughs> hopefully hopefully the recording actually you know, goes through this time, whereas we had a, a complete and utter fail the first time we tried this. But yeah, so welcome to the 209th <laughs> episode of the Joe Mason J-Rap Show. You know, every, every uh, 10 episodes or so we have uh, these kind of interesting situations thrown at us that make us try to think on our feet or put us drastically behind schedule. What's crazy is it's been years and we still haven't really been able to narrow down exactly what causes the repetitiveness of the It is it's Comcast. It's Comcast. I was going to say, actually, it's I think Comcast. we have. We can blame Comcast. It's all Comcast's fault. I don't know what's what's going on because a couple months ago, like two months ago, it was okay. That technically that wasn't Comcast. That was the router firmware um, had updated and completely destroyed the internet connectivity. Um, but this time, once again, let's say ninety nine percent of the time is Comcast. That's true. That's so true. their uh, bandwidth is awful. I'm sure the the house wiring doesn't help us. It's mm-hmm. probably ancient, you know, in terms of tech. Thirty year old wiring, probably not the best. But I'm still going to blame Comcast <laughs> for everything. So it's Comcast's fault. 
Speaking of Comcast, we're talking about the Flyers tonight. So while uh, while we're uh, crying about their inability to keep us online and flowing smoothly, we're going to talk about a team that they have a pretty significant investment in, and that is the Philadelphia yeah. Flyers. And um, you know how their season went in the 2015-2016, and more importantly, probably looking forward to the next few years uh, for the Orange and Black because they've got a lot of talent coming back and a lot of talent that hasn't yet played down at the Wells Fargo Center, at least not as part of the, of the professional team. So let's just venture right into that since we're not broadcasting live on any platform. We're not going to give out the contact info because that would kind of be moot. Other than if you listen to these shows in the archive and you want to ever contact us about anything show related, you know, you want to suggest a topic, you want to tell us how wrong we were, you can email the show at joemaysandjraf at gmail.com. That's the May Sandwich Shop email inbox is joemaysandjraf at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Just hit us up there, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. All right, so the Flyers entering, you know, last summer, last early last fall, before the season got underway, people didn't really expect the Flyers to do too much. We weren't expected to be a playoff team, and for a while, that's exactly how the season played out. I think uh, it was right around um, just after the new year, you know, probably through the end of January, the team... Wasn't that great? Right, and I think at the All-Star break, I think they were nine points out of a playoff spot, which put them in rare... Well, not the spoiler alert, <laughs> they made the playoffs, but that put them in rare company. Um, I forget how... I don't know the exact number for how long, but I know it had been a long time since a team that far out at the All-Star break had come back to actually make the playoffs, and the Flyers were able to do that. So like you said almost like two-thirds of the way through the season because the All-Star game isn't really at the halfway. It's a little past halfway. Um, maybe not fully two-thirds, but let's say it's like, you know, high 50% of the games have been played. And they were. it was not looking real good, but pretty much on par with what people, at least a lot of people, predicted before the season. It was the night of January 25th. So uh, we're talking actually right after... The uh, super snowstorm came through. Yeah. The Flyers played at home on January 25th against the Bruins. And they promptly lost to Boston 3-2, to which dropped them. And you know, I, I never gave a thought to this until we started doing research for this episode. But um, you really have to combine those final two and the, the win-loss column. Because it's not win-loss overtime like it used to be. Or win-loss tie like it used to be. Then they changed it. There was actually four at one time. It was win-loss Overtime loss, shootout loss. Like then they finally combined it to one category, so it's win loss and overtime slash shootout loss. I think, but really, when you combine the middle and final column, those are all your losses. Now I know the overtime one or shootout, you get a point, and that's why they separate them. But the Flyers technically were twenty and twenty six. Yeah, so under five hundred by six games on January twenty fifth. Yeah, and. And, you know, they didn't really seem to have much going their way. Um, you know, some of the issues that tend to be issues on a yearly basis with the Flyers um, seem to be coming up again. Like, they didn't really have anything going steady at goalie. They, um, you know, some of the guys that they spent big money on over the past few years 
Um, you know, some of the older guys that they brought in through trades and things like that weren't panning out. It just, you know, it, it was one of those things where you, you just thought, oh, well, this is just same old, same old, right? Well, then they started to turn things around. Well, they actually, at the beginning of the season, um, at the end of October, early November, they'd actually yeah. lost six games in a, in a row. Um, you know, uh, I think they had lost uh, nine of ten or eight of nine, and, something like that. And at like that, that point, it started, it, especially in the NHL, you start wondering, like, about about coaches, mm-hmm. you know, um, because NHL is really known just league-wide as, like, guys get fired before a month of the season, you know, and it's a long season. Um, so that NHL is known for that, and when you lose six in a row, sometimes you know those those things start flying around. They actually the after that game against the Bruins that they lost and dropped to six under five hundred. They actually won three, but promptly lost three to get right back to where we had mentioned at six under. They were twenty three and twenty nine after a loss to the Ducks. I remember that specific stretch because they win three in a row. You know, like maybe they're turning the table, turning mm-hmm. you know the corner here, and then they went on and lost in a row. And you're just like, nope, same inconsistency that we've had all right. Here. So after the game on February 9th against the Ducks, they're at the same place. They're 23 and 29, or whatever that breaks down to. Um, they're 23, 20, and nine. Okay, so technically six games under 500, sitting there with what about 55 points? I think you're thinking there's no way they're going to make a charge. Right. And then something clicked. Well, I mean, it didn't become apparent for a little bit. They started to turn the tables. And, wow, I mean, at the end of February, they were seven under. Yeah, that's crazy. That's nuts. February 23rd, they lost to the Hurricanes 3-1 to in Carolina. And they stood, after that game, they were 26-22-11, seven games under. You know, they had, what, 63 points. 63 points. Uh, and you had to, you got to think, you got to be close to 100 to make the playoffs. Yeah, you've got to be 90-plus, you know. They needed and close to 40 points in their remaining, what, 20 games. <laughs> yeah. What, right? 20, yeah. What, what do they say there? So 63, yeah, right. 19 games. They had 19 games. They literally couldn't even get that many points. Right. Yeah. So they got as many points as they as they needed to, and uh, down the stretch you can see um, they only lost seven times from seven. from uh, the end of February. Oh, I'm sorry, eight times. Okay. Yeah, eight eight times. No, there it is. No, where where was the Ducks game? I lost it. Where, well, no, the Carolina game is yeah. what I was talking about. Eight. It was eight times. They lost eight times. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so a strong stretch. So yeah, because they ended fifteen and eight. Yeah, that's exactly so what they just on, counted. They go on a fifteen and eight win or a streak to end the season. So a team that's seven games under five hundred too, like fifteen and eight, you're like, okay, that's that's, that's good. Doable, but, you know, but it's, you haven't but, done anything. The entire but when you season. think about you spent October, November, December, January, and February to get to seven games under five hundred. And then from there you go fifteen and eight. That's crazy. They finished the season five hundred. They were forty one and forty one essentially. Forty one wins, twenty seven regulation losses, fourteen overtime or shootout losses. They struggled again in the shootout. They were I think three and eight in the eleven shootouts they went to. They lost three games in overtime. But I mean to rebound from where they were, seven games under five hundred to end up at five hundred, 
and getting points too. I mean, there are a couple games in there that I that were head scratches and ones are like, if they don't make the playoffs, this is going to be one that comes yes. back. I think was it against Nashville? Who was it? Was a game that it's just you you shake your head at that they lost. No, it was the Blue Jackets. Yep. March twenty second. I was watching that game and they were up two nothing with two minutes to play or ninety yep. seconds to play, and they ended up losing that one. And I think in a shootout. Uh, three to two, and right there you're like, yeah, they got one point because it went the extra the extra right. period than the shootout. But, but at that time, you were looking. They mattered. needed two. They needed two points, and they had it with 90 seconds of play or whatever it was. Yeah, a minute and four left, and the tying goal was scored with eight, eight seconds. seconds. Yeah. So yeah, literally, literally five six, seconds left. sixty-four yeah. seconds remaining. Yeah. They're up by two. Sixty-five seconds remaining. They're up by two, and then with eight seconds left, they're tied. And yeah. then they they lose in in the shootout because that's what they do. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're not good at all. Three and eight, three and eight in a shootout. So, yeah, but that was really kind of the biggest negative. I mean, they they couldn't right. play Pittsburgh, no. and that was a big problem. And it's kind of been a flip from the past few seasons when the Flyers haven't necessarily been as good as they were at the end here, but they did play Pittsburgh well. You know, they had been playing Pittsburgh well when they couldn't beat anybody else, and now they were turning it around and could beat other teams, but they really struggle against Pittsburgh. Yeah, they lost to Pittsburgh twice, and they weren't even close. The first one was a 4-1 to one in favor of the Penguins on March 19th. Then they lost to, again on April 3rd to Pittsburgh 6-2. to two. And that one really hurt. I mean, Pittsburgh had pretty much locked up a spot because they got really hot at the end of the year. And as you can see now, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So. Right. Um, but then they also turned around and got shut up by Detroit in the next game. Right. And Detroit was a team that you were chasing. Right. They were, in a, they were in a stretch here where it looked like, okay, they might make it. And then all of a sudden they lose three in a row. After losing six to two to Pittsburgh, three nothing to Detroit, and then they lose to Pittsburgh again, and all of a sudden the Flyers were left on the outside, but still in control of their own destiny because they had so many days off. They like they had extra games, kind of. So they had basically, and Boston was gifting it. Boston was just they, choking. As yeah. bad as the Flyers were playing down the stretch, Boston really kind of played worse, um, and was able. The Flyers were able to kind of. Lock that up on the second to last day of the season. So that second to last game, they're able to lock up that eighth and final playoff spot in the East. Um, you know, it kind of sets up a, a tough matchup in the playoffs because because of some of those points that they left on the table, mm-hmm. not just in those last twenty three games, but in you know all season. Because you look at right. seven games under. You know, if you if you just cut that in half, if you're only three games under, you know. Or you get a couple points in in uh, regulation losses where you you know if you would have gotten into overtime something you know and you're not playing the Capitals in the first round. Now that being said, I don't you know I don't know how the matchups would have played out, but um, you know playing the Capitals in the first round was was not a great matchup for the Flyers. I thought going into it they had a little bit better chance than they actually. They kind of looked really flat at the beginning of the series. Um, and, and that kind of put them in a really bad spot because they weren't able to overcome that. Even though they played much better as the series went on, they were still outplayed by a better team in, yeah. in that playoff series. So the Flyers finished 41-27-14 under first-year head coach Dave Haxtall, who 
I mean, he got a lot out of that team. Last yeah. year with Craig Berube, they won 33 oh, games. Yes. So the Flyers won eight more games this season. Right. And they just look better, and just, especially because the way they played since the end of February and really the end of March. I referenced how there was some talk about it because Haxtell was is from college. So there was a little bit of, you know, is this stirring gonna things work? up. You know, is this going to work? Then they lose six in a row early in the season, and you're like, oh, man, he he is gone. And the reason you say that, I mentioned in the NHL, they do a quick, I think it was three years ago, like when Barubi ended up taking over, they fired the coach when they got off to an 0-3 start. Yeah, LaViolette. Three games in. Oh, yeah, they were 0-3 and LaViolette was gone. fired. Now, I mean, a lot of that had to do with some playoff... Right, right. Shortcomings the, in the previous season, Joe. Yep. Everyone rides high that um, 09-10 season where they right. made it to the uh, Stanley Cup when finals. In reality, they became almost a victim of that success right. because then it's like we, we still have these only, four guys here. There's like, only one way to go up, right? You can't you, go any higher, right. and to lose your first three and boom, just gone. But you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, so when when you have this coach and you hear those whisperings of, I don't know if the system's going to work. You know, he's, he's a college coach. He's He's, you know, he's not necessarily a player's coach in the sense that he's, you know, a little bit more rigid being in that college structure they tend to be. However, I've heard a lot about the players who have played for him, love playing for him, um, you know. But when you lose those six, there are definitely rumblings about whether this was actually going to work. Um, so they definitely, it definitely paid off. And we preach this all the time, the patience in, in lots of systems. We don't always get to talk about it in hockey, but going through coaches left and right is never good. Like show me any successful program that does that. Um, you know, and, <laughs> never mind. I'll tell you off the air about, <laughs> about the, a basketball comment this week. But, um, but anyway, as, as you go through those, you know, coaches that, that just leads to instability and um, it creates more issues. So, yeah, I was glad they were able to turn around and to go for go five hundred in your first season. That's that's pretty good. Claude Giroux led the team in points, get, collecting sixty seven of them. Wayne Simmons had the most goals with thirty two. Um, behind him in goals <clears throat> was Braden Shen, uh, who had a stellar stellar year. I think this is his fourth or fifth year with the Flyers. He's only twenty four years old. He was able to score twenty six goals, thirty three assists, fifty nine points, third best on the team, and. Unfortunately for the Friars, he is a free agent. Now, he's a restricted free agent, but he's the guy last offseason that Hextall didn't make it a priority to extend, knowing that, hey, I got another year. Let's see how this works, because Shen had been wildly inconsistent in his first four years with the Flyers. So they're kind of like, well, we think he's got a lot of potential, but he hasn't shown it. With, on any day-to-day basis. So let's see that happen. And he had a rough beginning of the year, but the Flyers did well, right. or as, as well. Then he started to kick it in after, even before the All-Star break, he really started to go. His last 40-some games, um, and he played almost every game. He played in 80 of 82 games. The last half of his season was very, very good. He was almost a point-per-game player. And he's a guy that Hextall and the front office have to make a priority to sign. Because you have Drew under contract, you have Simmons under contract, you have Voracek under contract, Goss Despair is so young, you've got him. Right, yeah, you they have up a Couturier. lot of the young guys locked up. You know, the, all those guys are under 30. And actually, the Flyers' top eight scorers, all under 30. You know, Until you get down at nine marks straight, uh, who's 38, and, and obviously nearing the end of, of his NHL career. Um, and, and if you take him out, then you got to go all the way down to 13th. 
and Bellamare, he's only third. This was only his age thirty season. Right. Then you have to go all the way down to seventeen. Well, that's if Jenny Medvedev. He only played in forty five games. Uh, not many near the end. He's thirty three. You know, Nick Cousins, young. Um, Brandon Manning. I mean, he's a fringe defender, but he right. he's young. Um, this is, Shen was traded. When, when you looked at, you had a stat pulled up earlier that the Flyers' age average age is twenty eight point one, and the average age in the NHL uh, for the league is twenty eight point zero. Yeah. However, so this, this is a perfect example of yes, they are league average. However, if you were to take um, the median instead of the, the average, the average. Um, you would see. I, th- I I don't know this obviously, but I think you would see um, a different story there in terms of the Flyers' comparison to the rest of the league. Now I say that there are teams like you know Florida, you know that have you know a fifty-year-old on their roster. So <laughs> you know I, I I realize it affects other teams as well, but the Flyers have a lot of contributors on the low end of that spectrum of ages. A lot of the high-end ones, and this is this is an indictment to the Flyers, not necessarily this front office and, and group, but there's a lot of they're paying a lot of money to guys who, not just not contributing, you know, meaning like we need more out of them. I mean, like they're essentially retired. You know, uh, there's a lot of money there. So when you talk about needing to be able to sign guys like Shen because he's an you know he's a free agent, well. That would have been great if we weren't playing, paying like Vinny still. You know, like it. I, I understand that happens, I mean, and it happens a lot in hockey. But it that's done. After, I mean, hockey. that's done now. Like, the right. don't have to worry about Lecavier. He's he's right. out of here. But like, all right, how many goalies are we going to have to pay? You know, because we never. Yes, we're not paying anyone elite goalie money, but at the same time, you got to pay both of them. You got to pay them both, right? Because the goalie who did well in the playoffs wasn't the goalie who started most of the games all year. Which yeah. is the story every year for the Flyers? We could do an entire Flyers. show on the Flyers goalie oh situation. Oh my gosh! Um, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk briefly about Steve Mason and, and Michael Neuwirth, but uh, um, Mason was the go-to guy. He pay, played in uh, fifty-four games this season for the Flyers, and uh, I mean, more often than not, he was the guy that they wanted to go with. But he got injured, and Neuwirth played, and he played really, really well. And um, then the playoffs rolled around, and Mason was not no. was doing nothing in the first three games against the Capitals. Norvell steps in, Flyers win two. Right. And I can't say game six was really his fault either. No. And so when you look at this, like, again, you want to talk about uncertainty. There's, there's a lot of young talent on the Flyers. I think they're building in the right direction. But how many years in a row? Literally, like, I can't even tell you how many years – is the question on the Flyers, who is the goalie? Or, or better yet, the better question is who should be the goalie. Because some years it's been known who the goalie will be because of salaries. Like they've gone out and signed quote-unquote big-name guys or big-contract guys anyway, maybe not big-name guys. But, you know, when when you look at it, I I don't know. And then, then you have to ask yourself, even though, all right, because this is the trap I feel like the Flyers have fallen in over and over again. Newverth has a good playoffs, and so – He's going to cash in with the Flyers, even though there isn't really necessarily a direct correlation to, you know, future success. Are they going to give him money because he played well in these playoffs? Right. Or are they going to give him money because they actually think he's the guy moving forward? I would hope that in the past it's been <laughs> that they thought they could do it too. But 
how many times can you miss, you know, on on, on who the next big goalie is going to be? Right. That it's being said, sometimes sometimes it's been defense. Like, you know, the Flyers have had some guys in there at a goal where, it, you know what, it didn't matter because we had a bunch of 37, 38-year-old defensemen who couldn't skate by the end of the season. You know, it didn't matter who the goalie was going to be. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean... They it, definitely have some shortcomings and some things they need to assure up. However, I liked the way they trended, especially that last two months of the season. I mean, this was... I mean, statistically speaking, this was Mason's worst full season with the Flyers. And he still had a 9-18 save percentage. He had two five one goals against average. You know, but it, after the 2013-14 season, he finished 7th of Vizina voting. Last season, uh, 14-15, he was um, voted to the All-Star game. Or he, wherever he finished in the All-Star voting. I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah, All-Star team. This year, you know, he he plays like he normally does. But that injury allowed Neuwirth to step in. And then his struggles in the playoffs again allowed Neuwirth to step in. They're both the same age. They both have potential. You know, Mason was with the Blue Jackets, Norville was with the Capitals. It didn't work out there long term. Now they're both on the Flyers. The Flyers have to keep both because you don't know. It, I, I don't want to compare it to like a team that has two quarterbacks, you know, that then they really have none. Because in, in hockey, you, NHL, have, to play you have to have two. You have to play both. You'd like to have one, you know, kind of be the guy. But the only time I think that really matters is the playoffs because you don't want to like second guess. Right. You know, and in you, reality, you have, there you just need one of your guys that are you need two guys that are good enough, and then you need one of them to be hot. Yep, and that's what you need. That's and that's the thing. And the Flyers, maybe they made that wrong. Maybe Neuvirth, if Neuvirth starts the series, maybe the series ends differently. Right. Maybe not. Because like, you know, it's tough to say. Look at the teams that are doing well. Like, and I don't remember the kid's name, but like in the Eastern Conference Finals, both teams now have like twenty-one-year-old goalies. Like the Penguins and the Lightning both have twenty-one-year-old goalies because Bishop went out hurt and Flurry just. Well, Flurry's never been that. I have never right. been a Flurry fan. Right, but somebody in the Flyers Capital Series is like, look across the ice. You know, that's what an elite goalie looks what, like. Holpe. Yeah, and then Holpe he got lit up by the Penguins in the next series. Like, so don't tell me it's all the goalie. And I'm not trying to make it sound like for the Flyers it's all the goalie, but like when you look at those other teams, like Bishop was the guy. Oh, not bishops. Well, yeah, he was. But, lightning, yeah. And he, and he he'd still be because the X-rays were negative on his leg. But the other guy went out there and they won three to one the other night. You know, that's pretty good for for a rookie or a young guy. I don't know if he is a rookie, but you get a young guy in there, and then you know. So don't tell me you need a guy who is a superstar to be good enough. But you need a guy who can play good enough. And the problem is then. I just worry that the Flyers are going to end up paying for two guys who both think they're the the main guy. They're both going to ask for it, more money. Right, than makes they it should. harder, right? I because, guess right at this point, I'm like, well, let's let's get to that point yeah. before you know, because I don't I don't think we have to talk about that. I think and they're both under contract. Yeah, I think they're under contract. Let me see, just to double check that, because I thought they were both signed through. Yeah, they're both signed through next year. Right. So we worry about that next summer. Yeah. We got another problem year. for future well, Joe problem. Mason Jr. Um, and and Mason's making four point one, whereas Neuvirth's only making one point six two five. Right. So you know, obviously, there's going to be something something coming up uh, in the future. But let, let's look back and stop talking goalies for a sec. 
but and just you know we talked about this a little bit based age of production all the flyers are very very young and they're all under contract um thanks to last offseason's move uh Voracek's here for the foreseeable future same with Simmons he's got at least three more years with the flyers um Matt Reed's a guy actually that a lot of flyers fans want to see um be cut or traded because uh, his productivity is not matching his um his AAV salary his average uh that accounts against the salary cap of 3.625. Um, Ryan White, you know, he's another one of those bottom, bottom three, bottom six, depending on where he's playing, guy that you can find in free agency. Right. Shen's a big one. He made 2.5 this year. He's a restricted free agent, so only the Flyers are going to be dealing with him. Uh, If someone would offer him, the Flyers would get a ton of compensation in return. Uh, He's going to be with the Flyers. My guess is that he's probably going to sign a three- or four-year contract, um, which allows him to still be in his late 20s when he can sign a a ludicrous deal. Because he's only really fully produced consistently now for one season. It was really only the second half of the season. The Flyers are going to pay him for that. He was a third-leading scorer on the team. I'd expect he's going to sign a three- or four-year deal averaging somewhere probably between four and five a year. He'll get it. He'll get enough. He'll get a, a, a say a promotion. You know, he'll get a raise in salary. He'll probably be making four and five. That that would be my guess. Probably right in between like four and a half uh, for three or four years. And then when he's 28 or 29, he'll get one more chance at a, at a big four or five year deal, you know, maybe making six or seven. Yeah. Uh, if, if he continues this progression, that he, I right. mean, he's gotten better every year. That's the thing. He has gotten better each year in terms of productivity. He just hasn't been consistent. And he finally got that consistency in the second half of this season. Yeah. So Shen, he'll be back. That'll be big for him in terms of his money, but it'll be big for the Flyers too, having another kind of key young piece. Michael Raffle is a guy that, you know, he doesn't get a lot of notoriety, but he's the only guy on the team that played in all. 82 games he was their seventh leading scorer he's only 27 so he's in his prime and he's under contract with the Flyers for another three seasons at a reasonable price so obviously he's going to be back uh van uh, de you know he is what he is he's back for next year he's cheap I'm, i don't see why the Flyers would get rid of him um mason and norworth again we said they're both free agents next year i don't see the flyers because of what we just said them one of them being hot back and forth and both showing they can do it and also not be the guy. I don't see either of them being extended, but they'll both be back for this season. Um, Emery, who was signed kind of as an emergency, uh, he won't be back unless right. something would happen drastic. I don't know what to say about Mark Strait. Uh, he's making a lot of money for being close to 40. Yeah. Um, he's got a modified no trade, but he could decide to retire. I feel like if that was going to happen, we may have already heard something about it. Um, but this is his last year coming up as a flyer in 2016, 2017. Uh, he's 5.25 against the cap. It's always interesting the, that retirement issue in these leagues, basically, especially the leagues outside of the NFL, because with guaranteed contracts, there's a lot of incentives to not retire. You know, a lot. Now, teams can compensate for that. And, you know, that affects the cap in different ways. But, like, you know, you can get buyouts and kind of retirement agreements and things like that. But, you know, what's he – I think he said he's scheduled to make over $5 million next year. 5.25, yeah. That's a lot of, you know, if you're on the fence. Now, I'm not saying he's deciding because of money. You know, like, I I don't know. But because he is getting up there, you know, especially for – you know, uh, a hockey player is getting close to 40. 
it, it's tough, you know, to go through. Do you want to do it anymore? Because he probably he doesn't need to. You know what I mean? He right. doesn't have to do it. But you know, five million dollars still five million dollars. <laughs> like that's it's a lot of reasons to 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 still play. Andrew McDonald is probably the one disaster of the most recent Flyers signing. He yeah. was, or I guess he was, I guess he was traded uh, and then signed. But he just hasn't done much. He's on, the Flyers are on the hook for five million a year for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, he only had eight points this last year, playing in only uh, less than thirty games. Yeah, you know, because of the the, the contract, he's here. You know, you got to expect. Hopefully, he'll rebound. Right. Uh, you know, injuries haven't helped matters, but. Um, he's Hope here, he one of the top six. Can trade him, <laughs> possible. Yeah, um, Jenny Medvedev. We mentioned he's over thirty. He was he's he, his contract is expiring. I don't necessarily expect the Flyers to re- try to resign him. Young Nick Schultz, he'll be back again. Cap hits only two point two five, though he will be hitting uh, unrestricted free agency next summer. Radko Gudis, he's a restricted free agent. He played well at the end of the year. Once he stopped getting like the Bash Brother mentality out of him where he wanted to go high on a lot of people and he caught a lot of flack for that. Once he settled down, he actually was a really good compliment to Shane Gossis Bear. So I really think, and because of his age, I think Gudis is only 25, 26 maybe. I really think that after extending Shen, Gudis is the next guy that Hexall turns to to sign to doesn't have to be, you know, a five, six year deal. It could be a two or three year deal. Right. But maybe say, prove it to me one more time and then they will break the bank for you. And he's young enough to do it. If he signs a two or three year deal, he'll still be in his prime for the next contract. I think Gudis remains with the Flyers. And we know that Gossip Bear is here. For, yeah. He will eventually get a nice long term deal. It probably won't be in two years because that'll be his first crack at a, a longer, more lucrative contract, but he's a restricted free agent, so he doesn't have as much negotiating ability there. Uh, but he better be in the Flyers' long-term potential. I, I mean, I hate to base it off of one half season, essentially, or th- you know, two-thirds of a season, but man, is that kid special. Yeah, It's something the Flyers have not had in a long, long time. Right, and it's one of those guys that was kind of projected to be really good, and is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and the Flyers have missed on He's so many of those guys. Offensive so. defenseman that the Flyers have not had in. I'm not even sure I could mention a guy with his talent that I've seen in 25 years of Flyers hockey. I've been watching since the early 90s, yeah, early to mid 90s, and I'm not sure I can remember a Flyers defenseman as talented as him. I mean, he played in um, 64 games, so like three quarters of a year, essentially. 22 years old, 46 points, fifth on the team. He, I would like him to see him win the Calder. I don't think he will because offense usually does it, and that's where all the flashiness is. Um, and when you got an Oiler in it, and there's a good chance that he's going to take take top billing. But goes to spare. Oh man, he 17 goals, 29 assists. He set um, Flyers records as a rookie. He set NHL records as a rookie. Um, he was fourth. Highest scoring in terms of goals on the team as a defenseman, 17 of them. Yeah. Only Simon Shen and Drew had more. He also played in 14 less games or more than all three of those guys. <laughs> you know, he, he could have easily and probably would have been a 20 goal scorer if he played the entire season, 20 plus. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> we could go on and on and on and talk about Goss Despair, but, you know, we don't have that kind of time. Um, Manning, I think, if the numbers work out, he's a restricted guy. He's a nice seventh guy, sub guy, you know, yeah, injury see, I think replacement he'll get guy. Him back 
for a short, cheap deal. Um, unless somebody's willing to pay him more. But again, like you said, with his spot the where he's at, I you know, I don't see a team really breaking a bang for him to bring him in. So I think the Flyers may have the advantage. Well, they do because he's restricted free agent. But, you know, they have – I think that almost kind of guarantees that he's going to be back because I don't see a team really offering a lot knowing that they're going to lose a lot in terms of comp- – or that the Flyers will get a lot in compensation. Right. Like, I, I, I think as long as he doesn't play hardball, I think Manning's back as that's yeah. maybe a sixth defender depending on how some of the other signings go in free agency and whatnot. But at least the seventh guy, the guy coming in off the bench um, – We'll jump around a little bit here. Drew, obviously, he's locked in. He's one of the best players in the NHL. He's here for a while. Same thing with Couturier, young, uh, but his salary is going to jump this coming year from 1.75 to 4.33. Uh, but he's worth it. He's one of the best defensive forwards in the game, and he can shut down um, Ovechkin, Crosby, Malkin. You know those big names that are out there. Couturier is usually the line that they said you need to go and and, and take them out. And uh, he usually doesn't. He got injured early in the Capitol series, and you you think you know they were able to fight back near the end if he was able to play. Right. Maybe things could have been a little bit different. Unfortunately for them, not not the case. Um, a couple guys um, that it's up in the air. Nick Cousins, you know, again, money works out. Restricted guy. He's probably in the cards. Um, same thing with Jordan Wheel. They got him in the trade. He's a restricted guy. Barely played in for the Flyers because of injury. I think the numbers are right. He's back. Bellamare definitely back. We I think we might have said that already. Um, he's he's the bottom six forward that you need, and he comes cheap. The two interesting ones left to talk about. Oh, did I mention Lawton? Lawton, he's young and he's cheap, and he's a two way guy. He's here for at least another season. They'll probably extend him next next year. Umberger, Flyers on the hook four point six again. He's got a limited no trade. He is a prime buyout candidate that the Flyers are basically just buy part of his uh, his contract out and let him go to wherever he wants to. He is just not produced in his second stint in Philadelphia. He's definitely not worth the $4.6 million uh, cap hit. He's definitely gone to make up for um, you know the Flyers, the guys that the Flyers need to resign and the raises that some of these contracts are going to kick in, um, like we mentioned, Couturier. Uh, so Umberger probably gone. We mentioned the possibility of Reed being cut or traded. Um, a lot of the, I mean, this is pretty much the team we saw this year is the team we're going to get next year. The one biggest question mark right now, I think, is Sam Gagne. He played this season at three point two million. He came on down the stretch like a lot of the guys did as they started playing strong. Uh, he only finished with eight goals. He was pretty strong in the last few weeks of the season, yeah. though. And it's not – you can't always look on the stat sheet because power play setups being that, that, that third guy, but also, more importantly, penalty killing and defensive-minded forwards. And Gagne was able to do that. Now, maybe the price is just too high for the Flyers to bring him back uh, again at over $3 million. So maybe he'll end up being – you know, thanks, but we can't. We can't afford it because of the the way the cap works. Um, I, I don't. It, it, it's it's tough to say with Gagne. I think. Yeah, I think he's, he's going to be a guy that they would love to bring back, but I don't know that they actually can afford to do it unless they make some tough decisions and don't bring back some other guys that we talked about. But when you look at when you factor in age and some of those other things. I think uh, Gagne is going to be the guy that 
I want to say loses out because he probably won't lose out. He'll he'll get his money. But right. I think the Flyers may lose out on him just because of the circumstances that kind of surround him. Now, maybe more excitingly is to talk about some of the guys that could be coming up. And one of them expected to definitely be up next year is Ivan Provorov. He's another defenseman that is just one of the greatest in the uh, – in the um, the developmental league that he is he's playing in, um, I can't remember if it's in the OHL or, or where he's playing, but he's one of the best, if not the best, player in that league, at least defenseman. And to have him up there at the same time as Gosses Bear could be huge. Uh, so we look forward to seeing what he can do. The Flyers have one of the best farm systems in the entire NHL, right? And. Uh, you know, he was the Flyers' number one pick just last year. So the odds of him making the roster this coming season at age 19, probably not too high. But his ability is just through the roof. And the Flyers hit a home run getting him uh, in the draft last June. Um, a couple other guys to um, keep an eye on. Uh, fellow defenseman Travis Sanheim, also very strong, and as is Samuel Maureen. Those are all defensemen. It's nice to be talking about defensemen in the system because yeah. that was always, besides we knew about the difficulties with the goalie situation, right. but then it was always finding homegrown defensemen right. because it felt because like we always we had to always, go out and get them. And, and there's always a big cost associated with that. So, like you said, having some of these homegrown defensemen, if they can pan out, that could really help the Flyers in some of these situations moving forward. Then forward-wise, the big one is Travis Konechny. Um, he is a guy that, depending on how uh, free agency goes and then his time in training camp, he could keep the get the call up to stay with the, the big club, um, play for the Orange and Black next year. Um, I don't know if there's any other forwards that really have a big chance of sticking around. A lot of them... Still need development. Um, Fosley, the center, it's just the Flyers stock with center when you got Drew, Couturier, Lawton, then you got the cheap fourth guy, and also Shen, who he made his, his money at the wing this year, and that's probably where he'll stay, but he can always pinch hit if need be. I'm not sure Rodell Fosley is ready um, to commit. It's uh, uh, The focus is probably going to be on the defenseman. Provorov, Sanheim, Hag, Morin, uh, maybe even Alt. All of those guys are, are people that could be ready to play, and that's why... It'll be interesting to see what to do with Manny. If they think two of those guys are ready to play, yeah, Manny's right. probably not brought back. No. Um, may, and maybe they try to get rid of McDonald, but you think I, – I don't know that they could. I don't know that they can, right? I think he, he's not a candidate for buyout still like Umberger like, is. Still uh, owing like $20 million. Right. Um, but – Provorov is the guy to watch. He's an interesting one and, you know, a top 10 pick, lighting it up in the developmental leagues. He could be ready to go. And, man, to have Gustav Bear and Provorov up here at the same time, the future's looking good. Yeah, it would be good to build around. And, like we kind of alluded to, that can help kind of stabilize that goalie position if you can get solid defensive play in front of there consistently. Yes, certainly. Now, I did have a previous – let me see if I can find it. Um, I had gotten a text from my brother-in-law a few weeks back about the Flyers, and I said that uh, that we would be talking on about it in a future show and that this would be a good time to cover it. Let me see if I can find it. Here we go. 
All right, he said, just asking a question, even though I loved Eric Lindros, does anyone think the Flyers would have been better without him, considering Forsberg turned out to be one of the best players in the NHL? Mike Ricci was a nice role player, and Hextel was a good goalie. Chris Simon turned out to be a good player for the for the Caps. Um, obviously, that's not where he went into the trade. But so basically, if you knew what you knew, and this is all going to happen the way it did, would you rather have had Forsberg and those other players or Lindros? <sighs> I think I think the Flyers could have been as good with Forsberg. I don't know that Forsberg would have ended up being the fit for the style the Flyers were still playing, especially at that time. Um, now, this is early know, 90s. Right. You know, I felt like Lindros had all the tools. Well, he did. I mean, he, he showed it. It was there um, to be everything. A perfect player in a perfect system at a perfect time. And it just didn't work out, you know? Um, I, I don't know. It, it, that is interesting though, because it's so much to give up. They gave up a lot for him. Yeah. Well, when we did the show with Corinne and Jason, when she talked about right. her uh, attractive male athletes, we talked about Lindros cause he was number one. And I mentioned everything that they gave mm-hmm. up in the trade, even after the arbitration that went right. down, uh, they gave up a ton. So, I mean, it's hard to argue against that they wouldn't have been better, but at the same time, they were really good. So, like, I don't know. Basically, basically, what you're saying is they would have won a Stanley Cup if they didn't. Would they have won a Stanley Cup if they didn't trade for Lindros? That's to me. That's basically how the how it breaks down. And I don't know that I go that far. I don't know that I can say that. And I love Lindros. He's one of my favorite professional sports players of all time, not just in hockey. But honestly, looking at their two careers. Forsberg had the better career. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they both, He's both not, of their careers were ended prematurely because right. of injuries. Forsberg had the ankle and feet issues, and that Lindros obviously had the concussions. But knowing that Forsberg ended up being the better player, and and they got rid of all those yeah. other guys, I feel like he's, you're pro- I mean, it's one of those things you can't, you'll never know. Right, right. But, but no, that's, that's if a you're guaranteed argument. for the development the way that it came about, I think, yeah, probably would have been better off for the Flyers to say, you know, let's stay out of this one, let him deal with his personal stuff and where he wants to play. Let's sit this one out and build with Forsberg and Ricci and um, Simon and, and keep those draft picks, you know, and whatnot. Um, and obviously, that's the butterfly effect. That affects everything that happened after the draft and no. whatnot. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, pro- I mean, looking back on it, yeah, Flyers, I, to me, the Flyers probably should have just been like, let's let's stick with the guys we have but you know it didn't happen that way we had a lot of entertaining and fun times with Lindros went to a Stanley Cup uh you know those mid mid to late 90s early 2000 teams were some of my favorite teams to watch growing up um so that that was fun but unless you could you know if someone was able to go back in time and say if that trade didn't happen the Flyers were in a Stanley Cup then there's no doubt about it I I do it right absolutely (laughs) you know that that trumps everything yes so um, anything else to say about the Flyers season? No. Yeah. Overachieved. Look good. Hopefully they can maintain. Right. Most of this team's going to be back. Just a few, you know, maybe three different guys possibly. We'll see how the, um, the, the contract extensions, free agency, and trades and whatnot work out. The Flyers will be back in September with training camp. The season will get underway in October. Um, looking for them to build. I think they actually finished fifth in the division um, but the division got five out of the eight. The most they could get was the most any division can get in the playoffs is five, and they got all five. 
Um, be nice to see them break into the top three. Right. Don't know if they can do Not it. Not into one of those wild card spots. Right. Yeah. And, and they'd be playing, um, you know, the, the, the two team, which probably going to be Capitals or Penguins is right. the way it is. That's the tough part. Um, but it would be nice to see the Flyers. I think they finished with 96 points. It'd be nice to see them up there 104, you know, yeah. get, you know, like four more wins or something like that. Um, get into the mid forties, upper forties in the win column. Put down on nice. those losses. Win a few more overtime games, shootout and, games, and that would, yeah, win win half your shootout games. Just win, right? Half yeah, your instead of going games. three and eight, what if you go seven and four? Right. Then all of a sudden you're a hundred hundred plus point team. You're yeah, you're a hundred hundred plus. Yeah. So that's where they need to be. And I, you know, maybe we'll be able to do. I don't know because it's during football season, so it's tough. I don't know if we'll be able to do another Flyers preview. So this is kind of a very early yeah. Flyers preview for us. But we're kind of wrapping up the fifteen sixteen season and looking ahead to the sixteen seventeen season. So um, birthdays, a happy birthday to uh, my cousin Nick celebrated yesterday. Um, don't think I can recall any other ones coming up in May. Yeah, no. So, but we will be back next week, I believe, to do something, whether it's this show or the Bulldog Hour. Something will be happening something. next Sunday. So you should be able to hear from us again. Hopefully, the tech issues resolved. Hopefully, Comcast gets their crap together. And yeah, we and can, our uh, producer. <laughs> no, I have my stuff together. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. I don't know what you're talking about. I am good to go. So, uh, of course, I got nothing up here. So we're just going to say... Thanks for joining us. This wraps up the 209th episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff show. We hope you tune in every Sunday for our take on sports. Until next time, I'm J-Raff. And I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Joe Mays and J-Raff show. Tune in every Sunday for the latest sports discussions from Joe and Justin. Each episode is available live on Ustream or Mixler and can be downloaded or streamed on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can interact with Joe and Justin on Facebook and Twitter. And stay up to date with the guys at JoeMaysAndJRAF.com. The Joe Mays and JRAF Show is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. For more info, visit JMNJRRadio.com.